Welcome to the Free Life Chapel podcast, where we help you discover and live the free life in Christ. We're so glad you set aside time to join and connect with us. I know you'll be impacted by and through today's message. Now let's jump into it. We've been in a series uh, for the month of May that's been really interesting for me because you decided it. I didn't get to decide it. In fact, the series is called You Asked For It. And it's been, you've been submitting questions. We had over 200 questions that came in saying, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? And it's been a broad array. Um, as you can imagine, people have been very open and very honest. There's been some humorous questions in there uh, that, that humorous to us, but probably a very serious question to somebody else. Um, and we've covered all that we can. Obviously, we can't cover those 200. If so, it would be a nine-month series that we would be in, and I don't think anybody wants to do that. Uh, but today, we're going to be wrapping this series up. As of last week, as we begin to put these questions together in topics, we had, we had answered approximately 71 questions as through last week uh, by going through two weeks. Today, we're hitting somewhere just under 110. We will wrap up as we begin to eat this today. But I want you to listen to me as we get into this because I don't want you to give you my opinion. I want to give you Bible. How many of you know there's plenty of opinions going around today? Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. And... Uh, what this series does is you and I are having to qualify what is the authority for truth in your life. We have to decide is it going to be a person's opinion, an educator's opinion, a, a culture's opinion, the government's opinion, uh, a, 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 the Supreme Court's opinion, or will it be God's opinion, Bible? And this is where we are today because all of those opinions can be competing. Sometimes they align. But we have to make sure that there is one final source that we look to. And so we're going to be diving into that going here today. Here's one of the questions that came in. Do our loved ones who have passed away return as angels, help us, or send us messages? I mean, that's a great question. I've heard all my life as I've done funerals and been around people in that capacity, man, there was a, a bird that showed up on my, on my door sill, and I know the, what, what it was going, it was a message, and I've heard in good hearts because we miss our loved ones when they exit, when they pass, uh, but it is not biblical. It is not biblical for the dead to speak to or to visit us. That is called a horror movie. Hebrews chapter, chapter 1, verse 14 says this, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Psalms 91.11 says that angels come to guard us. Uh, the Bible is very clear on this, and here's what it says, do not seek help from palm readers, from fortune tellers. You don't need your horoscope. It's a horror scope if you want to read it right. You don't need a horoscope, Ouija boards, tarot cards. You don't need to, you, no, you don't need any of that stuff. Leviticus 19.31 says this, do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. In other words, Holy Spirit is your guide, not Uncle Wilbur. I'm sure he was a great guy, but he's not the one that visits us. So to that question, no, actually, 
They do not come back to deal with us. Holy Spirit is the one who guides and leads our life. Here's another one. Will we know our loved ones in heaven? Will we actually know people when we get there? Well, Luke chapter 24 uh, tells us, gives us the story where the disciples recognized Jesus after he rose from the dead. They recognized him. In fact, we have in Matthew chapter 17 at the transfiguration of Jesus where he was being glorified in that capacity. You can read the story. The disciples actually saw and recognized Elijah and Moses even though they had never met Elijah and Moses. But they knew exactly who they were. So I would state this, although it's not specifically stated, you will know. There's about seven to ten different references in the Bible that give us the understanding that we will know people when we get there. And you will not be holding grudges when you get there. No. Speaking of grudges, the question was here. This was the next question. Will we be married in heaven? I don't know if there's someone who's trying to get out of it or someone's hoping, I, I, I don't know, it's my anniversary. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Will you be married in heaven? Here's the answer, like it or not, no. There will be no marriage covenant in heaven. In fact, let me help you. Marriage was given to us on earth to show us the relationship of Jesus to the church. It is a earthly picture of what our spiritual and eternal relationship and covenant are supposed to be. Throughout the Bible, the church is called the bride of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, the analogy is used over and over again regarding that kind of relationship. Matthew chapter 22, verse 30 says, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So there's not going to be any, any uh, marriage there. I, although Cindy has argued with God against this, he, she so wants to remain married. It's my story. Here's another one. Can a person get baptized more than once? Acts chapter 19. Again, we're going Bible. These are not, my opinion doesn't matter. Just hold on. We're getting to some more real things that are going to touch your heart in a minute. So I'm, I'm, I'm touching on some things here. Can a person get baptized more than once? Acts chapter 19, the Bible tells us that Paul baptized believers again. Not just their first time, but baptized them again. When we go on our Israel trips, we've got Two more coming up in November of this year. We had so many people respond to us. We're looking at planning a 2024 trip as well. Even though we usually wait every other year, we might be going again next year. Um, when people go on this, we always have a baptism service in the Jordan River. And many people who have already been baptized want to get baptized again. Very significant spot. We celebrate that. There's nothing sacrilegious about that. And there's many reasons why people uh, want to get baptized again. They gave their heart to Christ, were baptized. They walked away, did some boneheaded stuff like many of us do, came back and rededicated their life and wanted to reaffirm that commitment or reaffirm that, that, that celebration, that declaration, and those are fine. Here's what I would recommend. So there's nothing wrong with getting baptized twice. You just don't want to do it so often that it becomes a mockery and it doesn't matter anymore. It is just an outward testimony of what has happened on the inside of you. So you don't need to, you can the next set of questions, 
I need to take a little bit of time with, and I want you to hear me because it deals with the sexual identity issue in culture. And I want you to hear me, and if you're going to repeat me, make sure you repeat me properly. And if you're going to repeat me, make sure it goes inside the context, the spirit, and the heart that it's shared with, because that matters too. Here's the question, how can we address the transgender topic in society? First, I would say this, we address it in love. We address it in love, just as we address all other people. Not special treatment, not a special condition, we treat people in love, that's God's word. Someone say, that's Bible. <laughs> Number two, we treat, it, we treat it with humility. We are not here to fix anybody. How do you know if anybody needs to be fixed, it's the man in the mirror. Am I still working on your issues? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So we are not here to fix people. We are not those authority figures that we're trying. Well, you're, no, are you kidding? Stop it. So love, humility. Here's the third way that we address it, with boldness. Today we have a lot of believers that are cowering from this subject. Mostly because they're not sure how to address it. And because of that, I respect they're not speaking to it because it can become damaging if you don't know how to properly address this. That's why it's important we speak to this today. But the Bible says in Romans chapter one, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we speak unashamedly what our faith states, very matter-of-factly, with love, in humility, with boldness, and number four, and the final one, in truth. In truth. How many know sometimes the truth sucks? Truth bites all of us. The Bible says speak truth in love, but speak truth. If all I do is give you love, I damage you. If all you do is love your child and don't correct your child, you damage that child. If all you do is correct and not love, you damage that child. Both have to go hand in hand, and one will speak to the other on how all of it is delivered, but it must be delivered nonetheless. Here's how I speak to, here's what I believe the Bible does speaking to this issue. How many of you believe that racism is wrong on every level? I, I, I want to ask an, a question that I hope is obvious. Okay, very good. When we hear of racism going on in our culture, it is slammed, pushed back on, and rightfully so. It is wrong on every level. Why is that? Because obviously there are no degrees or levels of worthiness or quality in when it comes to humanity, especially based on the color of one's skin. The, the, the kaleidoscope of pigmentation that we have around our world is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It is God's design. How many of you know you did not get to choose your Ethnicity. You did not get to choose that. It was gifted, not given, gifted. That beautiful skin you have is gifted. That pasty white skin you have is a gift from God. That light brown mocha dark chocolate skin you got is a gift. No, it's a straight up gift from God. That beautiful brown tan that all of our white folks are after. It is a gift. 
from God. And if you fall somewhere in between that, it is a gift from God. Your race is a gift. You didn't get to choose it. It was given to you. The other thing that was a gift from God that you did not have the right to choose was your gender. It is a gift from God. It's a gift. It's an absolute gift. That means race and gender, both of them are sacred. God designed. God chosen. God's mark. God's fingerprints on your life. That's why if you hate racism, then we also push back on altering gender. I can't love one and not the other. I must stand for both. Psalm 139 says this, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The word wonderful in Hebrew means you are distinct and specially set apart, designed. Your gender is in the design of God related to his purpose for your life. To try to alter either your race or your gender is to mess with the purpose of God for your life. It's a dangerous thing because the reason people today have lost hope is they have no purpose for their life. So we have to secure that that brings purpose, a reason for existence, the contribution you make to others that then feeds you in a way that a paycheck cannot. That is exactly what God's plan is for your life. So Genesis 1.28 says this, be fruitful and multiply. Now I want you to listen to me. The command in Genesis 1.28 that was given to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, it reveals God's unique design with a pre-designed purpose on a man's life and on a woman's life. A woman was given a womb, a man was not. That's why she is a womb man. It's a distinction that is critical to understand because it takes both in order to produce and recreate. If Eve had no ability to reproduce, God would have been cruel and evil to give them the command they could not fulfill. This is why there is no such thing as birthing people, but there are mothers there are women, there are ladies who give birth to children. As much as our culture, as much as the Supreme Court wants to change that, we will never be able to remove that design that God initiated that only a lady, only a woman will ever produce, carry a child and give birth to that baby. That is the only way it happens. If, I, I, it, it feels a little bit different to have to state something that is so obvious, but today our culture has lost its obvious perspective and so we state the obvious so people will not live oblivious. <clears throat>
Let me continue. Is same-sex marriage biblical? I, here, God is not silent about sexual, uh, human sexuality. The short answer, and I'll give some understanding, the short answer to is same-sex marriage biblical, it is no. Because both, watch this, please hear me, love and marriage are God's ideas. Love and marriage are his words that he gave us that he defined for us. So watch this. God defines the purpose and expression of both of those words. Anything outside of the expression of what God decided love and marriage means only indicates that we have ripped God's word off and redefined his purpose. Therefore, it stopped being what we are told it is. It is a knockoff. It is a version. It is not the real. We cannot redefine God's words and use them for our purpose because that's a slippery slope. My question would be then, how, how far do we take that? How many of God's words will we redefine? Which one of other God's words do you not like that you're going to redefine for your purpose? Because it's interesting. Anytime we alter God's word, it's always to make us feel better, not him. It's always to make God in our image instead of us conforming to his image. Love and sex, according to the Bible, defined, are between a man and a woman together, especially the sexuality, and God defines that it's in a marriage relationship, not outside of. Outside of marriage is called fornication. It is a sin. Welcome to Free Life Chapel. It's, we've got to state some things plainly. Marriage is the other word that belongs to the Bible, God's word, and he defined it as a relationship, a covenant between a man and a woman. That is it. If used outside of God's purpose or expression, it is no longer love and it is no longer marriage. I know that there are some of my friends, I have many friends in the LBGTQ plus community. Uh, I, I, I love all of them. We have some very real dialogue, those that I've become close to over the years, and we discuss and we dialogue in this, and I do not discount the feelings that you have inside. I do not sidestep or take lightly that that you have going on that is very real to you. But we have to look at, will I be led by my feelings or will I submit all the nature of my life to the promises, the word, and the plan of God? And that's tough. And I would just say it's not tough just for my LBGTQ plus community. It is tough for all of us in this room. Interestingly enough, Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was asked about divorce. They were trying to trap him and, 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 and identify if divorce is proper or not. And the whole discussion is interesting. Here's how Jesus started his answer regarding divorce. Watch this. Jesus said this, 
God made male and female, the two become one. Now he's taking a long way around getting to what divorce is by starting with quoting Genesis chapter one and chapter two. He goes all the way back and before he tells us what divorce is, he starts by requalifying what marriage is. Before we get into what is to be separated, let me remind you, it's a man and a woman. The two become one. And then he spoke to the issue that the disciples were speaking of. The Bible is very clear when it comes to homosexual relationships. Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, Jude chapter 1, verse 7, there gives zero wiggle room to work in any other interpretation outside of God's word. If it was one verse of scripture, we would have trouble. But the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses is something established. And the Bible affirms and qualifies it all, not just from Old Testament, but New Testament, all of it together. You see, God's original design is God's continued will. God has not changed his mind. Malachi chapter three, verse six says, I am the Lord, I do not change. He goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a premise to build our our, our perspective on a cultural issue on that is outside of popular opinion. In fact, it preceded popular opinion. It's the word of God. It was established in the very beginning. It's still God's plan. Here's the next question that goes along with this. Are y'all still with me? Very good. Here's the question, just as it came to us, not altered, I am gay. Am I not worthy to attend this church, love God, be loved by God, or go to heaven? It's a great question. It's a great question. Let me just say before I even go any further, thank you if you're here for asking that question. I hear your heart. I love your heart. And I am so glad you're attending here that you could even submit that question. You're right where you belong. Of course, you are worthy, welcome, and encouraged to attend Free Life Chapel. Of course you are. Of course, you are worthy to be loved by God and to love God. But all of those things that you asked are all regarding being accepted. You're asking, am I accepted here? Listen. It says, can I attend, love God, be loved by God? All of those are acceptance. Of course you are. But the final phrase that was added to the question, or go to heaven, can I go to heaven? Heaven is a Bible issue regarding obedience to God's word. That issue is not about acceptance. 
That is about obedience, which all of us are still trying to work out in all of our lives. Acceptance of your lifestyle can be fully engaged without approval of your lifestyle. My wife accepts me, but she hasn't always approved of things that I've done. And all the married people said? Yeah, so, so watch this, so watch this. Heaven is a Bible issue. That, that, that's an acceptance thing. And none of us, starting with me, have the right to redefine God's standards. He is God. I am not. According to the word, there's, if, if I could redefine it, there's many things in the Bible I would change. Revenge being one. Look, some of y'all had five people flash in your mind right there. Like me too. Oh my God, me too, me too. How many would like to change the thing about the attitude? No, just keep your attitude. It's fine as it is. Oh no, no, no. The Bible speaks to changing the attitude of your heart. The Bible speaks, what about forgiveness? How many of you would like to skip that part of the Bible? No, you got to forgive them, but you don't know what they did. Yeah, but you got to forgive them. Are you serious? Seven times 70, you got to forgive them. Oh my God, right? Why would I do that? Because you've been forgiven much. How can you hold someone else to an account when you've been forgiven? That is tough, especially based on what people have done to you. That's a difficult thing to wrestle with and would be easy to want to reason and justify a lack of forgiveness. See, I want my LBGTQ plus community friends to know we struggle with our nature also. But Jesus died to change the nature of man. I know, I, forget, I think it was, was it Katy Perry who said I was born this way? Lady Gaga, born this way. And I wanted to make sure she knows and Jesus died to change us from the way we, we were all born a mess. But I can't rely on my sinful nature to become the excuse for my present lifestyle and expect God to open heaven and make it okay. The Bible is not a book of positive affirmations. It's a book that confronts sin. It's full of love, don't get me wrong, and there's some powerful things in it. The damage we've done to the Bible is only quoting and posting on social media the parts we like. And we've not embraced the totality of God's word. We have to teach all of the word, not just the parts that we love. The Bible challenges and corrects all of our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Here's the next two words are so powerful. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We cannot modify Christianity and still call it Christianity. Let me help you. Call it something else, but it's not Christ-likeness. And this is going to sting everybody. But if you call yourself a white Christian, then you're just a type of Christian. You're not a full Christian. Why is that? 
Because you put something in front of a Christian and you modified your Christianity. Anything you put in front of Christianity is a modifier. And you can't modify it to make sure that it fits your perspective, your narrative. No, Christianity comes that we all change and move towards the Word of God. If you say, yeah, I'm a black Christian, you have a version of Christianity, but you don't have the totality of Christianity. Because anything that you allow to skew your view and your, your perception of God's word based on a certain context, it will lead you sideways. Same with my, 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 my Puerto Rican, my Hispanic, my Latino, Latino. It doesn't matter what you put in front of Christian or gay Christians. All of us are modifying it. You can't, you, we have to make sure that you're not a Republican Christian. Your party's the only one going to heaven. Is that how it rolls? Well, I'm a democratic Christian. Okay, great. Let's talk about that. Anything you put in front of it, you modify it, and you make it a version of the original, which means it is a knockoff. It's not the real. And the knockoff will not change your life or get you to heaven, only the authentic. There's one version of that. Because if any of us could make our own version, we would. We have to do it God's way. When we identify with anything before Jesus, you literally created an idol in your life. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says this, Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, passive homosexual partners, practicing homosexuals, thieves, the greedy, the drunkards, the verbally abusive, the swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you notice there's a full list of things there? It's not just focused on our friends from the LBGTQ plus community. It, is, it, it, it hits everybody because we all have these things that want to operate inside of our heart. So we're not pointing out. This is not the church putting a microscope on a certain people group. It's broad, but it's what's emerging in our culture being celebrated in churches today. The churches that are celebrating this and embracing this, it's an apostate church. Run from it. Its leadership is corrupt from the heart outward. Run from it. I'm watching LBGTQ plus ordinations take place in churches. It is a false church with a false doctrine. Run from it. In Lakeland, run from them. They are not biblical. It's out of order. I don't have the right to change this word. I'm a declarer of the message. Aren't you glad your mailman doesn't open your mail and alter the letters before he puts it in your mailbox? He just delivers it. All are welcome at Free Life Chapel. If I can attend, trust me, you can attend. But consider this, is it possible that the sting you feel regarding these biblical passages is not an attack, but conviction of the Holy Spirit. Loving, not stiff-arming, but wanting to pull you closer. And let's heal these areas of your life and help bring that under all the things, along with all of our things, under the submission of Christ. The sacrifice of Jesus and the love of, of, and truth of God's Word were gifted to us to change our nature. I will finish with this because I must put this in. So here's the final question today. How can I know God's purpose for my life? I think it all ties right in together. Your purpose and your career are not the same. 
God could care less what you do in order to make money to feed your family. It's up to you. You're wired with skill sets, talents, abilities. Use those. You, you, you Use those to, to increase and bless your family. A career is based on your interest. It's not holy, but your purpose is about impacting others' lives. Those are two different things completely. I want to give you three words. We're going to wrap this thing up today. Identity, purpose, and destiny. These three are critical that you and I embrace these, especially as believers. And quite honestly, the very first thing that we jump into is your identity. Isn't it interesting in culture today, the big thing that we hear is, I identify as. You see, if you don't get the identity down, then your purpose and your destiny are completely jacked up. It all starts with identity. And your identity and my identity has to start with what does the Bible say and who does this word say you are? Through the eyes of God, through the eyes of your creator, through the eyes and the heart of the one who decided your giftings, who decided your existence, who decided your destiny, your purpose. Who? Let me go back to the manufacturer and ask them. Something breaks at your house, you call the people who made the appliance in order to figure out what went wrong. We go back to the manufacturer to decide what's going wrong in my life that it doesn't line up with this. It's not functioning right. So my identity in Jesus is critical. We need a picture of who he says we are, not opinions of people. It's where people can get in your head. Voices determine choices. Get the right voices so that you understand who you are in Christ Jesus, your identity. Number two, then you look at, I'm gonna go from identity, let's go over here to destiny. Destiny is the future picture as to who you're going to be. Paul said, when I became a man, there's a process to hitting a destiny. It's, that's where I'm going to go. Watch this. You decide the roads that you take on a trip based on the outcome you want to experience, the destination. So I identify who I am and where I want to be. Identity, destiny, and purpose falls in the middle because my purpose are my daily decisions that get me to my destiny. Destiny is a picture of what the decisions I should be making are. If my destiny is straight ahead of me, I don't make a purposeful decision today to go left. No, it's not moving me forward into the destiny of my life. What is that destiny? The Bible tells us that God has created us for good works. The Bible tells us that we have been made to fulfill the purposes and the will of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you and I are to be living our lives to make heaven our home and to reflect Jesus to a lost and dying world. We are salt and light in this world so that people would look at Jesus and say, He is the way, the truth, and the life. Everything about my life, my daily decisions, should be pointing to the destiny. And the closer I get to my destiny, the more fulfilled and the greater my life becomes because it's 
it's less of me and more of him. It starts with identity. I've got to know who I am as a Christ follower. I'm fully forgiven and fully loved. Yes, this is amazing. Let them say what they want. It can't affect me because I know I'm embraced. I see where he wants me based on his word. I read in his word that that's who I'm going to be. Not who I am now, but who I'm going to be. So my purpose today is to keep moving towards him daily. My decisions today are based on where I'm going, not just where I've been. And since I'm leaving my past and moving to a future, I do things today that are moving me forward, like coming to church on a Sunday, like opening my Bible and catching a scripture to encourage my heart, that knowing that my attitude is out of order, so I repent and apologize because I don't have time to take a detour when I'm on my way to a destiny. And I keep daily moving towards him and I start walking out of me and I start walking into him. Identity, purpose, and destiny. And it's a journey all of us are on. Would you stand to your feet in this room, please? My only regret in the month of May is I wasn't able to answer all 200 plus questions. Because I want you to know whatever your question was, the Bible speaks to it. The Bible is not shy. The Bible has an answer. The Bible is neutral in the sense of it doesn't, doesn't ask if we like it or not. It doesn't ask if it's popular. It is just that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. If he's the truth, there can't be another truth. We have to, the decision becomes ours. Do I intentionally push back on what I don't like? Because let me help you. There are churches in Lakeland that will preach what you want to hear. That will affirm whatever lifestyle you want to live. You will find a man or a woman stand on the platform and applaud you. And they will pull one scripture and they will make it sound good. But the total counsel of God's word from Genesis to Revelation... It will have to, that context will have to be violated in order to sanction a lifestyle outside of God's word. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to attend Free Life and know that you are in a safe place when it comes to what scripture says, the songs that are sung on this platform, that it is a truth that I can embrace and build my life on and it will produce an eternity. I am not having all y'all come up to me in heaven and go, you lied to us, you didn't tell us the truth, that is not gonna happen. In fact, more importantly, I don't want him to look at me because the word tells me that I will give account for every word that I said from this pulpit because I'm signing God's name to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have no option but to speak truth, but I pray that you've heard it in love. I love you. I don't want to control you. I'm not trying to manipulate or fix you. None of us can be fixed because we're not machines. The way that we get better is we outgrow where we were. And we grow into new... And I'm on a course of growth like your neighbor is. We all need him. But the decision comes down to you and me. Do I embrace it or reject it? The truth is up to you. Father, we need you in our lives to continue to guide and lead us through this maze of culture. 
I'm so glad that your word is a highway, that we don't have to take back roads in order to find you. It's plain, it's very visible, it's laid out, and regardless of what the opinion of culture is, I'm grateful that your word gives us a truth. I pray, God, that you would help all of us to make sure that the truth that we share is always in love. That is your spirit, that is your heart. Jesus' love is what puts you on a cross so that you, we could know you and that you could change our lives and we could spend eternity with you. Time is ticking, time is ticking, time is going quick. And we must center our lives on you that we can see you face to face one day and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, we'll make it with struggles. We'll make it with failures. We'll make it with questions. But as long as we're pursuing you, we can still bust heaven wide open. That's your promise today. Thank you for your truth that guides us and leads us. God, we open all of our hearts, every one of us, ask you to continue to come in. Holy Spirit, convict us, lead us, guide us by your word. We love you and honor you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to connect with us by following us on our social media platforms or through our website at freelifechapel.org. Thank you for joining us today. Have a wonderful week.